Welcome you to the sports kingdom. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the TSK Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. I'm joined by my co-host, Tyler Pachelke. What's up, TP? How you living, man? Feeling good, man. The, the weather's changing around here for the better. It's yeah, man, it's nice warm and warm. I'm, I'm excited. All right, before we start, thank you so much for listening, everybody. Be sure to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. If you want to find myself or Tyler on Twitter, be sure to follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler's underscore world underscore all of our content can be found on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Just type in keyword TSK show. Check us out on Anchor as well, anchor.fm slash TSK show, or just download the Anchor app for your iPhone or Android. Tyler, it's officially the dog days of summer. Uh, there is some free agency news that could potentially affect the Lakers that I wanted to get into. Um, you're also going to be talking about uh, your top 10 groups to never win an NBA championship and then I have some NBA draft trivia for you since the NBA draft is two days away um, and then to close the show we're gonna run the two-minute drill yeah we're the the sports world's stuck in rumorville right now that's all that's really going on it's just you gotta make you gotta make stuff up to talk about <laughs> so I'm glad I'm excited for this episode though I like the the games and the lists yeah so uh, let's just jump right into some NBA free agency news right off the bat uh, some news from a Seattle-born player, actually. Uh, Jamal Crawford opted out of his contract with the Minnesota Timberwolves, making him a free agent on July 1st. Where do you think Jay Cross Crossover ends up? Golden State. <laughs> really? Yeah. You think I mean, yeah. he's going to go back to Golden State? Yeah, I think that's a good place for him to go and try and just win one before he's done. I mean, if you know, he's 17 years in the league, he's... He's done I, the he's damn not thing. A, he's not a kid anymore. I think he went there to go play with his old coach, and that just wasn't enough. So on to the next thing, just keep playing and having fun. He's a guy that loves the game. Uh, I follow Jamal closely. So uh, I, th I think he's going to end up in Golden State. That that'd definitely be interesting. Yeah. Another key shooter off the bench. Yeah, I think he's going to go to a contender, and I don't think you know Houston, uh, Boston, uh, Philly, I don't think they're interested right now. Okay. And then another veteran opted out of his contract. Uh, Rudy Gay opting out of his contract with the he's San Antonio good, Spurs. He's going to be a good piece for anyone to fill in, and he can kind of – I imagine he's going to wait till the dust settles. Uh, oh, for sure. Even though that's kind of a risky card to play because it's not like he has to get signed. You know, the, He's not one of those guys that's like a top-tier guy, but he's still super solid. Could be a starter for someone, so he should wait to see where the stars go and then fill in. Yeah. I mean, I think – I think maybe he could potentially go back to Memphis. I think that might be get some yeah, veteran I mean, veteran that, guys in there because they're gonna have a new new rookie in there. Yeah, might as well try yeah, exactly. and start a different culture. Yeah, no, wherever he lands, that's gonna be a great fit. He's just a good basketball player. They can play multiple positions, and he's always been a pro. Always kind of he was on the verge of a star for a long time. Uh, I don't think he was ever you know quite quite a stud. Never made an All Star team, but he's he's gonna be a solid pickup for whoever picks him up. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, the biggest news to come out over the past couple of days was uh, Kawhi Leonard coming out officially and saying he yeah. wants out of San Antonio. And supposedly, some people in his camp want him to go to New York to play for the Knicks. 
uh, but he prefers to come home to L.A. Yeah. I mean, some. Yeah, L.A. is a central focus, but the the only issue with all this where he wants to play stuff is that he's <laughs> it's where the Spurs are going to get the most. You know what I mean? I exactly. Don't, they don't have to give him up. He's under contract, so. He really doesn't have any power here as far as where he wants to go. So, again, you know, rumor bill, I think people are just talking right now. And I surely hope, you know, we'll, we talk about the Lakers plenty, but we, <laughs> we're both, uh, you know, of the opinion where we don't want to blow our team up. Yeah. And I think we don't – I don't see us – we're going to have to give them Brandon Ingram. Um, yeah. If, if we want to get Kawhi, and I just – I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready to do that, even though Kawhi is, you know, a guy that's a top-five talent. He didn't play last year, and I just don't know if I want to blow up our young core that we've, you know, worked pretty hard on getting. Right, exactly. Like, don't don't get me wrong. I think Kawhi Leonard is the best two-way player in the NBA, but given the fact he only played nine games last year, whether he thinks he's healthy, if the Spurs said he was healthy. Year, if it was last year's offseason, I'd be like, yeah, pull the trigger. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so, but, uh, yeah, as far as, like, the in the New York thing goes, it's just uh, people are crazy if they think he's going to land where he wants. That's not how it's going to go. Spurs, yeah. The Spurs are going to get something. He, he better be careful or he's going to end up in Charlotte. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, they, that's that, those are kind of teams that are going to be able to give him it, their unhappy superstar to get another superstar. Yeah, no. I mean, I definitely think this is Paul George 2.0 where it's like he has places in mind where he would want to go, but – Without having a no trade clause, he has no leverage in the situation. Yeah, you, and you know we saw uh, we saw Oklahoma City be insanely aggressive last offseason. Yes, maybe they make a trade and somehow get rid of Melo and you know some other pieces. Um, but you know, as far as the, yeah, I don't know where Kawhi's gonna go. It's gonna be very interesting. It's great to hear that he's his his center focus was L.A. But I don't know if. if Getting him means we blow up our young core. I don't know. I don't think I'm down with that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for that either. But I mean, some possible trade partners that I came up with, obviously the Lakers, um, based off of what he has said, mm -hmm. uh, the Knicks, based off of what some of his people have been saying, mm -hmm. and then apparently the Celtics in February yeah. made a call yeah. to San Antonio yeah. to try and get Kawhi. So that they have enough assets to where they could probably put together a package. I, the the issue with Boston, you know, and that that would be a great – that sounds really great. Um, but I don't think, you know, Jalen Brown's not enough. No. Um, and, and they do have a pick that could be Sacramento's pick next year that they think could be like a top five pick. Yeah. Um, but Jalen Brown's still not enough, and I don't see them wanting to get rid of Jason Tatum or Kyrie Irving. Think, or Gordon Hayward. You know, and then that would be on top of having to dump Al Horford to somebody else just to make room. So there'd have to be a third team involved. Like they can't even afford him without they have yeah. to get rid of Al Horford and somebody else. And that's just assuming because I think everyone knows Al Horford's the odd man out in this kind of scenario. Yeah. So there's too much that has to happen for Kawhi to go to Boston. Like I said, just Watch out, man. He's going to, like like uh, Oklahoma City last year, he's going to make a surprise where he goes because he doesn't Well, he doesn't hold the cards. I saw I saw a, a rumored, not a rumored, a I don't want I don't a hypothetical trade scenario yeah. with Philly and yeah. San Antonio yeah. of Robert Covington, Dario Sarch and the 10th overall pick this year not enough. for yeah. Kawhi. I don't, well, not that it's not enough, but I don't think San Antonio is doing that. Deal. I don't think they would either. See, and when you get into all these teams, those are just the same teams people are adding because they know they're trying to be aggressive right now. Yeah. I don't think it's going to go to one of those teams, one of these teams that everybody's talking about. Like I said, Charlotte, 
you never know. Portland could be ready to do it and blow it Toronto. up. Toronto could be ready to do it. But, again, I don't think Lowry is enough, and I don't think they're going to trade uh, DeRozan for Well, Kawhi. apparently everyone in Toronto is On up. the table. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so, you know, like, okay, so DeRozan is a serious candidate. C.J. McCollum is a serious candidate. Kemba Walker, those are serious candidates. I think we ha- it's much more likely it goes to one of those guys than these Houston, Boston, you know, L.A., New York, these teams we constantly hear in the mix. What if Cleveland traded Kevin Love in the eighth pick to that's to San great, Antonio for great, Kawhi to try and keep LeBron? That's one I think they look at. I think that's a great pick. I think if they get the eighth pick overall this year and Kevin Love, that's a good pick. Uh, unfortunately, I don't think that's going to happen. It's a little too early in the process. I think it's going to get stretched out. Yeah. So Miami's I mean, another one. You know, a Dragic and a Whiteside. You you know, there's some potential there. But again, it's just. It'll be interesting. It's going to be a surprise, I think. That's yeah. All in all, what I think is going to happen with Kawhi. Do you think Kawhi gets moved on draft day on Thursday? No. No. So you think it'll be sometime after free agency begins? Yeah, I think people are going to – yeah, it's it's going to be tough. Kawhi, LeBron, there's so much right on this draft. Um, I think there's going to be a lot of movement during the draft, but I don't think Kawhi is going to be – because there's only a couple teams that are going to, you know, in the mix to make a trade on for Kawhi. Yeah. You know, and like Cleveland, Cleveland's a big one. New York's a big one, um, but I don't know if they have enough to offer. Yeah, so I mean, it'll be it'll definitely be interesting to see if Kawhi Leonard begins next season um, in San Antonio. And I mean, at this now, I, I, you know, I don't know. Right I don't think now, he does right now. You know, this might be the first show, first episode where I think I would be, feel comfortable saying I don't think he's going to play for the Spurs next year. Yeah, no, and I mean we've yeah. we've had many discussions yeah. about the Spurs as an organization and everything that has come out in the media about the team this season and everything surrounding Kawhi. But yeah, I definitely agree. This is the most confident I've felt about mm-hmm. Kawhi not, not being, being a Spur season. next season. No, I think it's done. I think it's over. I think we've seen it, seen it all. Do you think it's, well, no, because that wouldn't be in San Antonio's favor. I was going to say, do you think he signs the Supermax with San Antonio and a sign and trade type of thing, but that wouldn't benefit no, San Antonio he, in I, any way. I don't think that I don't think someone's going to ink him up yet. We, he needs to get back on the court. Yeah, that's the first first and foremost. So, all right, that's that's enough free agency talk. It's all rumors at this point. Rumorville, man. But unless you're a baseball fan. Hey, I love baseball. I'm wearing a Jackie Robinson jersey today. Yeah, baseball is all right. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, the draft is on Thursday. Uh, a lot of kids' dreams are going to be coming true. Yep. This uh, is a great time. I love the draft. Yeah. Love it. And um, then basically a few basically a week later we got free agency. But with the draft on Thursday, I have five NBA draft trivia questions for Tyler. So I wanted to see how he does with this. All right, let's do it. All right. So the first question. The San Antonio Spurs have the longest streak of not having a lottery pick. What year was the last time the Spurs were in the lottery? Uh ninety eight, ninety nine. No. Or no, damn it. Probably a year or two back behind that. I, I mean, Tim I ha- Duncan. Yeah, so 97. 97, 97. Or, oh, the 97 draft. Yeah, so the 97 draft. His rookie year was 97. 90, what did I say, 98, 99? Yeah, yeah you're so a year I would have thought about it for another half second. <laughs> I knew it was Duncan's number one overall pick. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, you're all 0 right. for 1. All right, all right. I'll take that out. What university has the most active players on NBA rosters currently? What university has the most active players? So not just of any. Not ever. Just currently in the NBA right now. 
I have three options if you want them. No, because I mean, it's I know the guy. I know the the three options got to be you know Duke, Kentucky, and someone else. But well, you gonna, only got one of out out oh, of the three Duke, names you just said. You only got one of those right. Duke and Kentucky. Out of the three options that I have, um, you I'm only gonna, got one right. I'm gonna say the most active players in the league are from Kentucky. Yes. Kentucky yeah. is the right answer. Yeah. The three options I were I was going to give you were North Carolina, UCLA, and Kentucky. I keep a close eye on UNC, so I knew <laughs> they weren't number one. So, yeah, so you are one for two. Yeah, okay. The next one. There are two universities tied with the most number one overall picks in NBA draft history. Can you name them? They're tied. They are tied. For number one picks. Yes, oh, the man. most number one picks. Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess um, – Man, this is gonna be this is a tough one. I have three options if you want them. No, 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 no. I uh, I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go. Definitely Kentucky. Okay. And uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Duke. You are 100 percent correct. Yeah, Duke, Kentucky. There you go. Two yeah. out of three. Yeah. Uh, I should be three for three if I <laughs> If you you jumped the gun on the first yeah, one. Okay. No, that's a good question, but I think just the trend of late has, has turned that around. Yeah, hundred percent. And what what are they tied with? Three. Oh damn! So not very many. Well, the last the three for Kentucky are within the past ten Four, years. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Very recently. Yeah. All right. Fourth question: Who was the first non-U.S. born player drafted number one overall? The first non-U.S. person born, Yao Ming. No. 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 Who's be, who, uh, who's before Yao Ming? Uh, oh, well, you got, you got there was, options. There, yeah, I have three options. What were your options? A. Hakeem Olajuwon. B. Michael Thompson. C. Yao Ming. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, in my head, so it's uh, Hakeem. No, it's or, Michael Thompson. When was Michael Thompson drafted? Number one overall. Oh, like Clay's dad? Yeah, Clay's dad. And uh, no, I knew he was number one overall. And where's he from? The Bahamas. Okay, so my in my head, why I picked Yao Ming just to defend myself a little <laughs> bit is, I was thinking, I was thinking of like foreign-born players. You were thinking that of didn't like play internet. In college. Yeah, yeah. So Hakeem and both Hakeem Olajuwon and, and Michael Thompson in, played college in, in the United States. Exactly. That's but if I would have thought about that one for a second too, I probably would have remembered Hakeem, but I would never would have guessed Michael Thompson as a Bahamas player. Michael Michael Thompson was drafted a few a few years before, before Hakeem Olajuwon. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, so Clay right, Thompson Clay one. Thompson yeah. is half Bahamian. That's a, that's a good that's a good uh, that's a good trivia question. They would trick a lot of people with that. Yeah. One. Uh, and I I, I definitely because think because I think most people would think, you know, foreign, you know, no American college. All right. All yeah. Right, let's roll. All right, how many number one overall draft picks are currently in the Hall of Fame? Oh shit! Just okay. Number one draft picks is. Let me see. I'm gonna guess. Uh, I'm gonna go. It's gotta be under half. I'm gonna go with uh, 28. Uh, no, you're 11 off. 17. Oh, damn, so not very many at all. Out of the history of the NBA draft, only 17 or – well, I guess – Yeah, only I guess 17. there's a lot of them are still playing, like, you know. Well. All, all, there's a lot of guys that will be in the Hall of Fame eventually, but 17, all right. Yeah, 17 number one overall picks have made it yeah. to the NBA Hall of Fame. Yeah, the number one pick isn't as, uh, isn't as sure of a shot as people would think. No, not at all. 
But all right, that's my uh, that's How my NBA it? draft trivia. That's, who who is the first who's the first high school player drafted number one overall? First high school player drafted number one overall. Yep. Call me Brown. Yep, that's a good one. That's yeah, a, that's a good. That's a good see, see, when I was doing my research for these trivia questions, that kept popping up a lot. But I was like, that's it. Tyler that, obviously that knows my, the answer to that. That was in my that was in my day, and I always thought it, it sucks because LeBron had just got you know. He could. He almost had that crown. He was, you know. He was very, yeah. Kwame just had to mess it up for him. Yep. Just like Kwame had to mess up Michael Jordan's Wizards years. And Anthony Bennett, the worst number one pick ever. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Gotta say. Do you know the city that has the most number one draft picks overall? Cleveland, right? No. Well, no, like city in which a player is from. Oh, nah. Yeah, I was very shocked to see this, but it's Melbourne, Australia. Because of Bogut. Because of Bogut, Ben Wiggins. Simmons, or no, Bogut, Ben Simmons, and Kyrie Irving. Oh, man, that's funny. Because Kyrie Irving has technically dual Australian and U.S. citizenship, yep. and same with Ben Simmons. Yep. There's been a lot of weird number one picks in my lifetime. I remember Olva Candy was a, was a weird one because he's coming out of Pacific. Yep. Kenyon Martin was coming off an injury. He was a senior. Yep. And then, uh, you know, Kwame Brown and Yao Ming were the first high school. And then I think Yao Ming was the first person to be drafted from a yeah. foreign league. Yeah. And then LeBron and Dwight. And Bogut Bargnani were a weird little trend. I think that's when the NBA was still trying to figure out how to stop Shaq. And that so was. They were drafting big guys. Well, and they also were basically drafting big European guys that could shoot from the outside. Well, yeah, I mean, and look, when Shaq was dominant, um, from 2001, they went Kwame Brown, then it went Yao Ming, then LeBron was number one, but number two was Darko Milicic. Yep. And then Dwight Howard, Bogut, Bargnani, Greg Oden. I mean, people people tried to find the big guy for a long time. Oh, yeah. And now now they're there. Yeah, definitely. All right. So, all right, let's 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 get into your list of top ten. All right, yeah, yeah this is a fun one. You, this is good. Ex- explain the premise, yeah, because at yeah. first we were like top ten teams, teams. Not to win a title, but basically to clear it up, I went with the groups that not to win a championship, and I excluded teams like 2016 Warriors, who went 73-9, and they didn't win the title that specific year. But that group has won titles That, that group has won a title. I'm looking for – all these teams were together and fought for – they had tenure in the league. Um, they had success in the league for a long time and just couldn't quite get a championship before – they all have a start and an end without a championship. Okay. Um, you know, 2010 Boston that lost to the Lakers in seven. You know, they won it in 08. They, they won it in 08, so I didn't, I didn't count them. Um in an, and then I also, you know, just to clarify, because it's uh, you can see where the time period I've seen, I only went with teams from the last 30 years um, because those are teams that I'm familiar with. And so you also believe the NBA started in 1979, 1980. Yeah, exactly. So I didn't want to dive into the past too much. So it's 90s, 2000s, and the recent uh, recent teams. Okay. All right. All right. So let's let's and, start at number 10. And to start off, number 10 is, is a horrible way to start <laughs> out, but I just had to do it because – this was really hard because you can take a lot of things into a factor. Who did they lose to? What era they played in? What you know? What teams they were playing against? And uh, you know, some good examples are you know like the Lob City Clippers and say the '92 Blazers. You know, the Blazers did their thing in that time period, and the Clippers never even went to the finals. They never made it out of the second round. They never made it out of the second round, but. You know, that was a great group of guys that won a lot of games um, yeah. that didn't win a championship. So, number 10, I started out with an honorable mention list. 
And, you know, I got – these are teams that I didn't put in the top ten, but all these guys uh, – all these teams were really good. And they're kind of examples of what I'm, what I'm about to, like, talk about. So you basically took the easy way out for number ten. I took the easy way out because I didn't want to make this hard decision. <laughs> but, you know, in the 90s, you had Reggie's Pacers, the 92 Blazers. Um, and then a little bit after that, you had, like, the Jail Blazers, Rasheed, Wall- yep. Rasheed Wallace, the Nets with Jason Kidd and Kerry Kittles and, and Kenyon Martin and Keith Van Horn. Um, Lob City, the Raptors of today, Thibodeau in Chicago, Yao Ming in Houston. Yeah, these those are that's kind of an example of like what I'm talking about as far as like a group of guys. Those were teams that like like when I say Reggie's Pacers or Lob City or Yao Ming in Houston, you know what I'm talking about as right. far as a group of guys. It's like there there may be some pieces that come and go, but the the main core of guys has been there. There's a there's a story to all these teams. Um, there's and uh, there's a, like I said, there's a beginning a peak and an end to all these without a championship. Right. Um, and so I'm going to dive right in. And this is uh, – So number nine. This one I kind of feel good about um, because of their origin. And basically it's the 2000 and, – and I chose I, – most of these I picked like one specific year out of the group's year just to kind of, for example, purpose. But the Oklahoma City Thunder with Durant, Russell, and James Harden, I think uh, – this yeah. group could easily go down in a top five scenario in most people's list because you got three MVPs on one team. But, you know, basically what happened is after drafting, you know, Durant, Russell, and Harden three years in a row, these guys got really good really quick. Yeah. Um, you know, I think most people know the story of the Thunder. Um, they uh, they go to the NBA Finals, I think, a little too quickly, you know. Um, they made it out. They, they played LeBron in Miami, uh, ended up losing pretty bad to them. And Harden played well in those playoffs, so Harden, you know, he leaves. Um, and then the next year, um, they're up three. Everyone knows this story. They're up three yeah. one on the Golden State Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. They lose the series, and then they end up losing Durant. Therefore, putting an end to what I think is that Thunder team. I think we're in a new a new era. Even though Russell oh, for Westbrook's sure. still there, even though for you know, sure there's some the you know Presti's there and all that. So this this group of guys. Dating from like 2010 uh, to 2014, 2015, um, we're like a special group of guys. Oh yeah, I mean you had Serge Ibaka, Kevin Durant, Russell Westbrook, and James Harden. That was that was the core. And they decided to get rid of. Well, yeah, they basically they had, decided they not to pay, to pay Harden. They had to pay Harden or Serge after. The and NBA they decided finals. to go with Serge. And I think they made the right decision just because um, you know Harden was Harden had just played great in the playoffs. They're so gonna have to give him a max deal. And I think when you're a GM and building a team, you don't want to overload at the guard position and, and leave the big guy. So I think they thought, oh, we're going to go big guy over getting another ball handler. Yeah. I don't think it was ever Harden over Westbrook or anything like no. that. No. It was just we have to pay Serge or Harden. we got to live with that. And it didn't work out. Yeah. And, I mean, I always – I've said it a bunch on this show. I say it all the time. Whenever this team gets brought up is – I can't wait for the 30 for 30 to come out in 20 years on this team. Yeah, no, it's going to be a good one because, like I said, there's a great narrative there. I mean, stating back to 08, 07, 08, when they started with Durant, and yep. then they leave Seattle, and they go uh, they go Russell Westbrook and James Harden. I mean, they go they drafted an MVP three years in a row. Yeah. Okay, on top of adding, you know, other players that, have, that were serviceable for them. Like and we can't, we, can't for, and we can't forget about Jeff Reggie, Green. Reggie Jackson. You know, uh, there's a there was a lot of good players uh, that came through there and ended up getting contracts elsewhere too. So, 
You know, that's the, the Thunder. Uh, right now, they're at a nine, you know, because when I was, like, m matching them up against some of these other great teams, I just – I don't know if they would necessarily be better because they were so young. Right. History is going to wonder why they didn't win it, but it's, it's because they're – They're youth and inexperienced. Yeah, they weren't ready for it. And that, it's unfortunate they didn't all mature together because, obviously, right now, if all three were on a team, it would be the best best team in the league. Yeah. Um. So well, They played the Lakers in the playoffs that year. Yeah, no, the, and and Durant played Kobe extremely well yeah. when, he, when he locked him up. Um, and we saw we, – we've all seen flashes of all these guys being the best player in the league. So Yeah, exactly. You know, that's a that's an interesting story, leaving Seattle, drafting three MVPs, and then being, you know, in the finals against Miami, up 3-1 on Golden State, and never really getting it done. It's, it's too bad. Yeah. These are a lot of sad stories, unfortunately. Um, if you're if you're yeah, a fan of yeah. any of these franchises, Tyler is about to well, name. I'm sorry. Unfortunately, two of these are real close to heart, and obviously the Oklahoma City one is because that yeah. was Seattle's team. Um, and then num moving at number eight, this is a team where I think probably some, depending on when when you grew up, you'll have them up or down on the list. Um, and like I said, I didn't take Reggie's uh, Reggie's Pacers or the '92 Blazers. Um, I, I took the 93 Suns, um, the 93 Phoenix Suns. There was a, you know, there was a, um, the Suns were a great team that built, uh, you know, up in the late 80s, early 90s. They had all these guys like Dan Marley, Kevin Johnson, um, Danny Ainge, uh, Tom Chambers. They brought all these guys up and they made the playoffs four years in a row. And that fifth season in 93, they added their head coach, Paul Westfall, and they added Charles Barkley. Yeah. Charles Barkley ended up being the MVP his first season with the Suns. Uh, they ended up going all the way to the NBA Finals, only to lose to the only to lose to the Bulls. And then the next two seasons, they lose to Houston in, uh, in the playoffs. So, and that know, was Jordan's sabbatical years when Houston went back-to-back. -back. Yep, exactly. So in the early, you know, early mid-90s in the Western Conference, there was a lot of good teams. Um, I said Portland earlier. I'll say a couple more later. But uh, Phoenix was always in the mix, um, you know, even before Barkley got there. And then Barkley's three years in Phoenix, they only lost to the NBA champions. Um, that was a really good squad. Uh, and Paul Westball, he ended up coaching the Sonics later yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, they're a team that could do – they were really versatile. Kevin Johnson, a lot of people, is one of the more underrated players. Definitely. Um, they were all in their prime. Kevin Johnson was in his prime. Dan Marley was in his prime. Um, it was it was a good team, um, and Danny Ainge. There's that name. He's always popping up around winners. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the uh, that that early '90s, mid '90s Phoenix Suns team. That I mean, that's just that's just an incredible like Run. get in a matter of a couple months. Yeah. Getting a head coach like Paul Westfall, getting a player Charles Barkley's caliber. Yeah, exactly. And and uh, that was Colangelo. Uh, yeah, that was, that was Jerry around. Colangelo. Yeah. Yep. So. Um, yeah, that that was a great team. I mean, they really did what they had to do. They built a young core. Then they got the big free agent. They made it all the way to the finals. They had an MVP. They just couldn't quite get past Michael couldn't Jordan. Couldn't get over the hump. And Hakeem Olajuwon. And those guys kept a lot of players. That's a common theme throughout this list is Jordan keeping people from uh, – and it, and it makes a lot of sense why people are arguing, you know. Why Jordan's the best. Yep. And then here – and then moving on, um, this, is the, this is the next team I'd say – as far as the Western Conference goes, this was the other team I think that everyone outside of Phoenix was, you know, measuring themselves to. And this is kind of like the post Lake Show era, you know. Yeah, this mean? is like post the Showtime. The Lakers were the Lakers were down in the the early mid '90s, where you know the West was owned by teams like Phoenix, Portland, Seattle is uh, yeah. my seventh team. 
the Peyton and Kemp Sonics. Everybody knows them. They uh, they dominated the league for you know a good six or seven years. Uh, players like Gary Payton and Sean Kemp, but also Detlef Shrimp, you know, who won a couple Six Man of the Year award. Hersey Hawkins, Dave McMillan. Dave McMillan's a guy that's super successful as yeah. a coach now. Um, yeah. I always love that. And then George Carl um, was their coach, one of my favorite coaches of all time. But basically, their narrative is, you know, they they in '93, George Carl's first full season as coach, they lost to Phoenix in seven games um, in the Western Conference Finals. So, the first year of George Carl, uh, Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, first first year they go to the Western Conference Finals, they lose in seven. So, bang, they're a game. That's away. that's a nice step up. They're a game away from being the you know in the NBA Finals against Michael Jordan, um, and then two years later they go. Uh, and I've read George Carl's book, and he talks about a lot of these series, how he felt he had the NBA ch- – he coached the champs, like, multiple times, and it didn't mm-hmm. happen. So, 93, they lose in seven. He felt like the NBA kind of rigged it because they wanted Barkley, the MVP, to play against Jordan and the Bulls. Um, and then two years later, the Sonics have their best record ever. They go 63-19 and 19 in 1994. And then, you know, best team in the West, they are the first number one seed ever to lose to an eight seed in the playoffs. And it was Dikembe Mutombo's Denver Nuggets. So, 93, losing seven. I thought – 94 the Sonic 94 the Sonics lose in the first round to an eight seed the Denver Nuggets then in 96 um, so the fourth year of Carl Malone Peyton and Kemp we make it to the NBA Finals only to lose to Jordan in six Kemp plays one more season with us he's yeah. disgruntled he feels underpaid uh, we don't get to the finals and we ended up trading Kemp for Vin Baker and a multi-team deal, and that was the end of it. You know, it was it was short-lived as far as like the the George Carl Payton Camp era. You know, yeah. it was probably about a five-season thing. But in three of those seasons, you know, we really felt like we had the shot at winning the championship. We felt like we had the best team in the in the NBA. Yeah. Wait, I thought the I thought the Warriors were the first team to upset a number eight, a number one seed. Nope, they were just the uh, first team to sweep them. No, they didn't. I don't think they swept them either. I I just think they were just one of the first. You know, it's a small list because I, they didn't start. They didn't introduce eight teams until the early '80s. Yeah, it was fourteen or That's six fair. teams before it. Um, so you. Had, oh, and then also back then the first round was five games. Yeah. Not five, si- yep. Okay. Yeah. So it was a five-game series all the yeah. way up until like 2000. So yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. So they lost to Denver, <laughs> a young-ass Denver team. In, That's crazy. In five games. And that year they were they were sixty three and nineteen, you know, um, it, so they they blew it three times, and and it's too bad uh, Peyton and Kemp never never brought it home. So you know, in my first couple teams, I got Oklahoma City and C- and the and the Sonics. So real close to home, right there. That shows you how sour we are about not having a title recently. I mean, we do have one from the seventies, but yep, we don't have a recent title. Moving on to number six, this is another um, another mid-90s team. Uh, this team is brought up a, a lot when it comes to teams not winning a title. And, you know, their they're superstar is known as one of the best players to never win a title uh, is, the, is the, the Knicks, Pat Riley and the Knicks. That's exactly where I thought you were going with this. Yeah, Pat Riley and the Knicks, man. They, they were there. They had that physical brand of basketball. Everyone talks Anthony Mason, Charles Oakley, Patrick Ewing. Yep. Um, you know, they had John, John Starks. Starks, Derek Harper, Greg Anthony. Um, Mark but Jackson. Yeah, but, the, you know, their story is they, after, you know, bringing this group of physical basketball together, they were eliminated by Jordan three years in a row. And then Jordan leaves in 94 to go play baseball. Um, they go all the way to the finals only to lose to Houston. 
Um, and then they play the Pacers three three years in a row. And then that and, great rivalry starts with Reggie and Spike Lee and yeah, all of and that. So the year after they play, and the year after they played um, Houston in the finals, uh, the year after that is the the famous finger missed finger roll. Yep. Um, and I don't think they were ever the same after that. But no, I mean, that, how could you? Yeah, that group, you know, and and there was another Knicks team, the Van Gundy Knicks, were also really great. That never won a championship, but it was a different group of guys around Ewing, and I think. This Pat Riley team, I think, was definitely special. and uh, Yeah, because Pat Riley wanted to recreate what he had with the Showtime Lakers in New York. And they got there. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they got there. They were close. They had them. They, they even played, they played Chicago tough. Um, you know, they had all their New York brand of basketball. Um, they had great rivalries with Chicago and Indiana. Yeah. You know, so that was a, that was a great team. Um, and now moving on to the top five. This is where it gets. This is where it gets good. Drive down memory lane. Uh oh. This first one is is uh, is really popular. I think this is. You've actually seen this team, so maybe you got a little bit more insight on this one. Okay. Um, and this one, you know, this one's a little bit on the border because. Well, it's. The, How can it be on the border if it's in your top five? No, it's not in the border of being in this. It's being. It's on the board of being eligible for the list. Oh. Okay, so basically, it's the it's the um, Don Nelson, Avery Johnson, Mavericks. Okay, now, the Mavericks ended up winning one in two. But it was Rick Carlisle. But it was Rick. Coach. It was Rick Carlisle. It, it there was no there was it was just Dirk and Cuban. Those were the only two pieces left exactly. from this era of you know the Steve Nash, uh, Michael Finley. Yeah, Jerry Stackhouse, definitely, definitely. Keith Van Horn, Sean Bradley, Josh Howard. You know who I'm talking. I about. know exactly who you're talking about. Don Nelson, Avery Johnson, up tempo basketball. Yeah, this was you know this isn't you know that Dirk that won an MVP during this era. They won he won the MVP. Um, and this isn't and why it didn't count is because you know that team that won it had you know a, they added an old Jason Kidd, Tyson they Chandler, an old Tyson Chandler, an old Sean Marion, an old yeah. Pages. It was Jason Terry. There was no cohe- There was no like group that fought and worked like the. All exactly. the guys I just named. And no, hundred percent, hundred percent. And so, um, you know, the story behind these guys, I think, is they ultimately they made a huge. They've still made a huge playoff run. It only ended recently, but in two thousand one, Mark Cuban, Steve Nash, Dirk started. You know, the run that everyone knows. Is yeah. Mavericks in the West the last twenty years. Yeah. Um, so specifically, I'm talking oh one to two thousand seven. Um, and, and Don Nelson, if you know anything about Don Nelson, he was like the father of the running game. Uh, Run one of TMC. The, yep, one of the first like running team guys. And he was actually the coach of the Warriors when they upset uh, Dallas in the first yes, round. Yes, he was. But um, basically, Don Nelson coached them up until 2005. Halfway through the season, they transitioned to Avery Johnson. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and Avery Johnson – and Don Nelson moves to upper management. So Don Nelson's still involved. Avery Johnson's the head coach now, and in 2007 they go 67 and 15, a top 10 record in NBA history. Um, they made seven straight playoff appearances uh, the, for Dirk and all the Mavericks guys. And then, like we talked about, in 2007 Don Nelson leaves for Golden State to coach a team he used to play for or uh, used to coach, um, and they ended up beating Dirk. <laughs> yeah, at, at just like the Sonics. They were the number one seed, losing to the eight seed, a team that everybody thought had a chance at winning the championship that year. You know, Dirk was MVP, you know, Nash and Finley and all those guys. Um, those teams were amazing. I mean, just the running gun, the Nash and the Dirk, you know, Michael Finley was always in the mix. All the role players they brought in throughout the years, all the international players, like 
Andrew Nahara. Yeah. Is a, is a, <laughs> Eduardo Nahara. Yeah. Played for the Nuggets a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah a, lot of good, a lot of good guys came through there. Yeah. No, I mean, when you, when you talk about that team, it reminds me of like that, like 2003, 2004 era where it's like, Basically, the top four teams in the West at that time were the championship. Were Kobe, were Kobe and the Lakers, uh, Duncan and the Spurs, Dirk and the Mavs, and KG and the the Timberwolves. Yeah, oh yeah, for a long, long time that was that was and, the and, West. And why? And uh, another reason why this list was so hard is that in the last twenty years, if you're not Duncan, Dirk, or Kobe, you're not you coming out of the West until the, the Warriors. West. You didn't win the West, and. All these teams that I couldn't put in there, like Lob City and Houston and T Mac and Yao and the Jailboys. All I these teams would have dominated these teams. Yeah, and and it's tough because those teams I think were better than some of the mid the mid nineties teams, like straight up head to yeah. head. But the mid nineties teams accomplished more. So, um, yeah. So I love that. Uh, I love that Dallas and Mark Cuban run. I'm glad that they. No, that was, that was a great I'm run. I'm glad that those two got to cap it off with a championship. But for the rest of those guys, it was too bad. You know, yeah. James, Antoine Jameson, I remember Antoine Jameson was a 20-10 and 10 guy for four or five years in a row, and he came there to be a bench player. That was a big move. Yep. That was the kind of stuff. Dallas was, like, working on super teams in, like, a uh, – A very weird way. Because they were getting a bunch of big names that were, like, like second-tier superstars, but they were getting, like, four, five, six of these guys. Yeah. So it wasn't, like, you know, a big three. It was, like, a big six, and that's how they, their teams always rolled. Selfishly, one of my favorite memories of that Mavs-era team. It was kind of later in that run, but Kobe dropping 63 and three-quarters on them. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> dude, I've probably seen – when it comes to, like, total amounts of games, I've seen a team play – Mavericks are I've seen probably top five Mavericks games. Like I've probably seen more of their games than any other team. Wow. You know, not not they're not number one, um, but they're they're up there with like Los Angeles, San Antonio, Boston. Yeah. Because they're always Seattle, in the hunt. LA. Yeah, exactly. They're always you can there. you can never when never it comes count. to when it comes to free agency with Mark Cuban as the owner, you can never count them out. Yep. Yep, he's a great owner. Um and so moving on, um, this is uh, this number is, four. Number four. This is you know and the, these stories get better and better because they're just so drastic. These teams were so good. It's so it's, it's too bad that they didn't weren't able to hang a banner. Um, this is like my last early '90s team, uh, but it's Penny, Penny and Shaq. I think everybody knows this. Story. Yeah, and, uh, it's a sad story. Yeah, 90, uh, and uh, they had they had about a, they had about a four year run, um, basically. Uh, I mean, shit, actually a three year run. Um, but, you know, Penny and Shaq, the two greats, guys that were, you know, big, big names for the future of the NBA. Um, 90, 1994, Penny's rookie year, um, they, they had a ton of success. Brian Hill was their coach all the way through it. And then, you know, they make the finals Penny's second year in the league with yeah. Shaq uh, going to Houston. And there's a 30 for 30 on it. Everybody, I think a lot of people. It's a great 30 it. for it, 30. It's a great 30 for 30 because you saw. You know, this was truly like a Ben Simmons and and a, a young you know young Shaq. <laughs> yeah, you know, like this is this was crazy uh, combination. They were so good. They had you know a Nick Anderson, a Horace Grant, a, a the, Dennis Scott. The um, process was much quicker for the Magic than it has been for the to, Sixers. Yeah, it, you know they took advantage of of Jordan being out of the league. You yeah, know, the first you year, have to. The first year Jordan left, they drafted Penny. Uh, second year they left, they made it to the finals. Uh, played Houston. Then the the third year, Penny and Shaq, Jordan comes back to the league. 
only to sweep the magic. Yeah. And just uh, dominate it. And them. then Shaq left for LA. And that was kind of, you know, that's. This is one of the quickest of all the groups, the Penny and Shaq, but uh, there's no way I could leave them out. Because yeah. Those three years, people wondered, are they going to be the future of the NBA? Yeah, because, bo- bo- I mean, they they thought those two guys were going to be the guys for the next yeah, – to I mean, carry the I, league without Jordan. Yeah, Shaq's, argu- Shaq's arguably the best center of all time. He was uh, arguably the best recruit coming out of college. Like for sure. Like anyone's ever seen, just a freak. Um, and then to add him with the you know a silky smooth six seven point guard at the time it's it's you really have to see film on those guys to know how good they were definitely. Um, and then moving on to number three, uh, these all three of these top three you could put at number one. It was basically just uh, you know point and shoot. I love all three of these teams. I think these three are clear cut the best groups of guys to never win a title. Okay. All right. And I'm, I'm gonna, excited. Yep. I'm going to I'm going to start off with the mid 2000 Phoenix Suns. Oh. Led by Mike D'Antoni, Steve Nash, Sean the Matrix, Marion and Amari Stoudemire. Yes. Uh, I think everybody or every big basketball fan in the last 20 years uh, liked this team because they were they brought the second seven second offense to the NBA. Yeah. They were the first kind of just run and chuck it up. He he played players like, you know, Joe Johnson, Jim Jackson, Quentin Richardson, Raja Bell. Fuck Raja Bell. These guys are guys that play multiple positions. Is yes. Point. Um, that you know, it's definitely a team that was kind of a, an insight onto what the future was hold. But let me just tell you their story really quick. It, in you know, they had another scenario where Mike D'Antoni became an interim head coach. Um, in 2004 and then his first season in Phoenix um, was 2005 and they ended up getting the number one seed in the in the in the west and they ended up uh, making the playoffs which they hadn't they missed the playoffs the year before yep so first year they're in there um, and then they go uh, they go two straight uh, western conference finals appearances um, and then that third year after going to western conference finals two years in a row comes the bump and the bump is one of the the craziest stories in NBA history. Yeah. Changed the course of history, and it's why the 2007 Phoenix Suns specifically stick out in my mind. It's the second round of the NBA playoffs. Let me paint the picture for you. Well, it starts in the first round with, unfortunately, everyone talks about the Warriors losing the 3-1 lead to the Cavs. Yeah. The Lakers had a 3-1 lead against the Suns in the first round of the playoffs. And the Suns came back to win it in seven games. Yep. But this is the Suns story, not the Lakers story. I know. But I had to get that in there because it still pains me about that series. But what really happens is in the second round, this is where history was changed. In the second round of 2007 NBA playoffs, Robert Ory bumps Steve Nash on the sideline. Um, Into the announcer's table. In the announcer's table, um, there's a scuffle. Uh, everything gets cleared up, and Phoenix ends up winning the game. And after four games, the series tied 2-2 with the San Antonio Spurs, right, 2007. And this is prime Duncan, Parker, this Ginobili. Is, this is the good shit. This is, like, one of the best, most pivotal moments in NBA history. After game four, the NBA decides to s- suspend um, Robert Ory for the hit on Steve Nash on the sideline. And then because of NBA rules, you can uh, if there's an altercation occurs, you cannot leave the bench. And touch the floor. This is after the malice at the palace. So they decide that Amari Stoudemire and Boris Diaw, Amari arguably an MVP candidate when Steve Nash was the MVP. Um, Amari's out, one of their best players, probably their second best player. Their second option, yeah. Boris Diaw, they only rolled with three posts. So two of their three posts um, are 
decided to be suspended for game five. Phoenix has to play game five without Amari and without Boris Diaw. The only thing the only thing the Spurs are missing is a role player, Robert Dory. San Antonio wins game five. They, you know, Amari comes back, but it's too late. Uh, San Antonio ends up winning game six and going on uh, to win the title that year. Yeah. Um, you know, God, this this Phoenix Suns team, you know, like how many great names like Joe Johnson, who went on to be a superstar. I saw Joe. Roger Bell, which everybody hated. I hate Roger Bell with Boris still Dio, to this day. One, Boris Diaw, one of the most like versatile, versatile, highest IQ players. They birthed players like Leandro Barbosa, who yeah. has made who made a very nice career for himself in Quentin the NBA. Richardson was a fan favorite. Jim Jackson, um, you know, but the Matrix was amazing. He was he was the Matrix was that six seven forward that was playing the four a lot with yeah. Amari at the five. Um, and you know he had a perimeter game, so this this team really with their up tempo style, their versatile playing, um, this team changed the NBA, but just was just so short of winning a title. You know who's the GM of that team? Colangelo. No, the GM. Oh, the GM of Phoenix. Yeah, during that time. Danny Ainge. Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr. God damn, Steve Kerr. Hats off to you, and that's probably why Nash works for, works for them, right? He's a consultant of the Warriors now. Yeah. Yeah, see, it all, it all comes around. There's only a couple NBA families out there. Yeah. All but, right. Uh, yeah, so to, to move on to number two, like I said, these top three are toss-up. But number two, I'm going with the early 2000 Sacramento Kings. The Sacramento Queens. Oh, see, you're, you're, this is a King story now. This is not <laughs> – we're not affiliated. We are not getting paid by the Lakers, all right? This is the King story. But I'm a Laker fan. And and do you want the Lakers you mentioned in the list that has to do with no rings? No, because we have 16 rings. Exactly. So you don't have to take anything from these guys. You've already <laughs> taken enough, all right? But the early 2000 Kings – No, it was a great rivalry. C- C- great Web. rivalry. Rick Adelman. Rick Adelman also coached the the '92 Blazers yep. um, from back in the you know earlier in the conversation. Um, but basically, you know, they they get they get Rick Adelman. Um, these are and Rick Adelman. You know, like I said, coached the Blazers. He was a big time coach. There. That's really when it changed uh, turned around for them. Um, in 1998, 1999, I was talking to you earlier about one of the best off seasons I've ever heard of, and yes. here it is. This is it. The 1998-99 offseason, so uh, the Sacramento Kings basically, I think, changed their franchise forever. I th- and, you know, they were a force to be reckoned with in the West for 10 years. Yeah. Um, in 99, they they hired Rick Adelman as their head coach, so bang, they changed their head coach. In the NBA draft, they took a, a white boy named Jason Williams. White uh, chocolate, baby. Know, a point guard. And then they also traded their star player of the entire mid-90s who was – Mitch Richmond. They yep. trade Mitch Richmond for a guy named Chris Weber um, to bring in to to complement their young their young foreign player Pedro Stojakovic coming up, and I think the rest was history after that. Um, they got an old veteran center in Vlade Divac. Yeah, they had they had Vlade. So you know, in one in one off season, they 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 had Chris Weber. You know, uh, probably a borderline Hall of Fame power forward. Yeah, uh, Jason Williams, one of the most. Electrifying point guards. Yeah, he's to one ever of the most dynamic the point guards to ever play. And Rick Adelman, one of the most accomplished coaches in the league. Um, they had all three of those things in, in one offseason. That's um, that's very impressive. I, I was super impressed by that. Uh, what what happens next is that that first year, '99, they lose to Stockton and Malone in the playoffs. 
not not a bad ending, um, but only to go on to lose to Shaq and Kobe. Here's your favorite part. Uh, Shaq and Kobe the next three, uh, three years in a row. Um, they finally made it to the Western Conference Finals in 2002, um, which was the third year they'd gotten boosted by Kobe and Shaq, yep. only to lose them in seven games. So they had Kobe and Shaq at seven games, you know. And on we all know what year. happened in game six. Um, they ended up, they end up um, losing uh, to, to Kobe and Shaq. I think that 2002 team was the last year Jason Williams played there. Yeah. They transitioned to Mike Bibby, um, right? Well, yeah, no, Mike, Mike, Bibby, Mike Bibby was there for all three of the Laker losses. No, not, not, no, not all three. Cause, cause, uh, Jason Williams rookie year was 99 and then they played him 2000, 2001 and 2002. So in 2001, so, he was, Mike Bibby was there. And so they transitioned from Jason Williams to Mike Bibby. Uh, and then they ended up, you know, I think basically losing it. They ended up to losing the Dirk next year, KG the year after that. And then they ended up blowing up the Kings and now the Kings are who we know that as just NBA Siberia. Yeah, and you know they have the longest playoff drought in the NBA, so you can see what kind of high they had. The, the Arco Arena at the time was the arena. I hated to play. those cowbells. That that place was just electric. There was no better place to play in the NBA. That that it was the most raucous crowd yeah, in the you, entire you, league. You didn't want to play there, it, you know. If you've seen like the crowds at Indiana in the '90s, yeah, super similar to that. Oklahoma City Thunder for the you know to now, you know. Um, that was a great era. And looking through this, I found the greatest offseason ever, possibly. I mean, they, they had so much success for five, six years after that offseason. That, that was a great one. But to end it all, I can't, I can't knock these guys. Um, this is just the team. I, I, it's just a wonder how they never won one. That's Stockton and Malone. Yeah. Number no, I one. mean, that's de that definitely has to be the number one. Yeah, you know, the 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 last two years of their peak, which I think their peak was 96 to 98, they made Definitely. three straight Western Conference Finals and Western Conference Finals appearances, including two finals appearances. Yep. Um, in those last two seasons, when they went to the finals, they were 126 and 38. So, they, you know, they rarely lost, um, but they lose two finals to Chicago. Uh, you know how game six goes. Um, but Stockton, Malone, you know, they had Hornacek and Byron Russell and Greg Ostertag and Shannon Anderson and all these guys. They had the great coach, Jerry Sloan. But, you know, yeah, 18 years, 18 seasons, they went to the playoffs with Carl Malone, John Stockton, and Jerry Sloan. So, you know, I can't, I can't knock them. They played Jordan when they were all 34 and 35 years old. Um, it's too bad that, you know, Michael Jordan kept so many of these teams that I talked about from winning championships, but... To me, Stockton Malone, I think, could straight up be any of these teams that I just named. Oh, for sure. They just had it. They had chemistry. They obviously knew, um, you know, they, they're another team that is an insight to the future. They, they did play slow, but the pick and roll is what dominates the NBA today. Exactly. So, you know, their play style doesn't necessarily match, but they, they knew, you know, back then. How, they knew what how, they were doing. If you knew how to run the pick and roll, you couldn't be stopped. So. And, I mean, they, have, they had arguably the greatest power forward. And yeah. one of the top point yeah. guards ever. You so. got the all-time leading assist and steals leader and John Stockton. And then Malone's number two in points and a top ten rebounds guy. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they did the damn thing. Yeah, I mean, without the pick and roll, Carl Malone wouldn't be number two yeah. overall in no. points scored. Yeah, no, they did it together. It was a, it was a great squad.
Yeah. So, all right, let's run it back real quick, one to ten. All right, and I'm gonna just name them as a group because I think this is like the essence of the conversation. Is like yeah, definitely. When you say Stockton and Malone, that's like a group, and then it, you know it's 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 C Web, C Web, Jason Williams, and the Bench Mob uh, for the Kings. You know, and then the Suns, uh, D'Antoni, Nash, Amari. Uh, you got Penny and Shaq, and then it's Dirk and Cuban and everybody else. Um, Ewing, Mason, Oakley, Pat Riley's Knicks. And then I got Peyton and Kemp, and then I got uh, um, the the uh, Charles Barkley, Dan Marley, Phoenix Suns, and then the young Oklahoma City Thunder to cap it off. All right, and then the honorable honorable mentions list were like the '92 Blazers, yeah, the that, early 2000 Nets, um, yep, Lob City, Lob Reg, City, Reggie's Pacers, Yao and Houston. Yeah, there we those, go. Those guys, those are the greats. All right. So to close out the show, uh, usually for the two minute drill. Either one of us has four or five questions for the other guy. But this week, we decided we're going to go back and forth. Tyler's got three questions. I got three questions. So I guess I'll just start it off with my first question. Yep, I got some good ones. These are loaded. All right, well, I'm ready for them. Terrell Owens and Julio Jones were seen working out together. Yeah. Julio Jones is in the midst of a holdout, and Terrell Owens is retired and recently inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame. There has been speculation of T.O. wanting to make a comeback, and in a video yesterday, Julio and one other gl- other guy clocked T.O. running a 4-4 40-yard dash. Yep. Is T.O. making a comeback? This is not going to take two minutes. No, he's not. <laughs> I just, he's not. I, I mean, it's a good story, and it would be cool if it happened, and... Uh, it would be interesting to see if he gets a workout from running, but it's like, first of all, it's a hand time. So, yeah. you know, it's not like, it's not, it wasn't electric. Now, that's still impressive for someone his age to run anywhere near that kind of time. It's yeah. just insane. If you ran a 4.6, I think people would still talk. Um, but I don't think anybody needs this guy that thinks he's a star wide receiver, wants to get 12, 15 balls thrown his way. <laughs> And it's going to take away from development of your younger players or it's going to take away, you know, balls from your productive players. So I just don't see any team want – like, why would they want to – unless there was a major injury sometime soon, you know? Yeah. Um, but still, I mean, it's like even even with, you know, like even if Odell went down, you know, and we see what the Giants New have, York's not going to go after T.O. They're not going to take him. So it's it's just – yeah. I don't my, whole, my whole thing is – is if Dez isn't getting a contract, T.O.'s not getting a contract. Yeah, exactly. Because T.O. can st- – uh, I mean, Dez can still, like, contribute. And um, Dez is also probably 10 years younger. Yeah, so – oh, at least probably 15. I yeah. Mean, I, I think he's, like, 45 years old. Yeah, T.O.'s, like, 44 or 45. Yeah, so he's he's got a couple years on Tom Brady. It's just, like, it's not going to happen. So. All right. Well, that, was, that was 90 seconds. Hey, I, we I almost tried, got it to two minutes. I tried to give T, I tried <laughs> to give uh, T.O. just for the respect. Yeah, exactly. All right, for, first question. All right, just give me who you got. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna lay out two teams. Tell me who you got. All right. <laughs> what? Ninety-six Bulls or the 2018 Golden State Warriors? Who do you got in the seven-game series? Oh my goodness. Yeah, I mean, you got to have one, right? You can't you can't just sit on the fence. I, I'm going to have to go the 2018 Warriors. Yeah. And why, why is that? What, what do you think? Because. Where, where, what's the, where's the decision made? 
the decision is made. What road do you come to where you make the decision to turn <laughs> towards Golden State? I just think that with the way the NBA, like I, it, the the problem with this hypothetical is what rules are we playing under? Rules of '96 or rules of 2018? All right, if you if you played if you played uh, if you played two, e- e- either one. Well, see, because I think if we're playing '96 rules, you have the hand check, and you're gonna. I think the Chicago Bulls would win that series. But if we're playing 2018 so you, so you rules, think depending on what year you think it's that, you're kind of taking just I'm, a 50-50. Hey, man, you took the easy way out with the honorable mentions. No, 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 that's, <laughs> that's way different than this. This is not. If you're, okay, if you're if you're playing, so all right, if you're playing in the '90 in the hand checking era, okay. with, don't you think like someone like Curry is just gonna have a field day? Yeah, with no one shooting threes. I mean, they they shot. They're shooting four times. As I just think that game. I just think that the pure volume of offense that Golden State can produce. Okay, so who who's your matchups? Who who's guarding who? You got you got Rodman on Draymond. Yeah, Rodman on Draymond. Pippen and Durant. Clay, I, Clay and Jordan. Ron Harper and Steph Curry. Yeah. Yeah, that's what it would have to be. Okay, and so or where, where or or put KD on Michael. Okay, but you so the Bulls switch everything on the perimeter, but now the Bulls aren't Cleveland. So you know, you Clay comes off a screen, he leaves Jordan, and he picks up by Pippen. Yeah, you know, Ron Harper was a six-eight guard that was physical. They got Ron Harper because he's a tall guy that can switch on the outside. That's why their defense was so suffocating. Is Rodman could guard point guards. Yeah, if you weren't Luke Longley, you were switching. You know, you had Tony Kukoc coming off the bench. You think you think you think they could have have enough competitive fire to take Jordan out? No, I don't. Yeah, I don't. Uh, and it, okay, so what if they're if we're playing? Okay, so if we're playing in 2018, you think the Warriors are winning? No, no, I I can't I can't go against Michael in a seven you game d- series. You yeah, can't bet against Michael. Right? No, I can't. Yeah, and, and I think. Do you think, or do you think the threes? It's basically it's like, do you think Michael's com- competitiveness or the Warriors' volume of threes? You know, that's the era difference. Yeah, exactly. So, God, that was. That's a good. I one. didn't like that question. I didn't know, and that's the question a lot of people ask. We, I think, we just stay away from it. I like that idea. Yeah. All right. So my second question. Okay. We have now gone the whole show today, and all of last week's show without mentioning the World Cup. The World Cup is like the biggest sporting event ever. Yeah, it's like all the young basketball players in the world get together or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> no, that's the FIBA yeah. World Cup. We're talking yeah. FIFA here. But is it bad that I don't care at all about the World Cup this year because the U.S. didn't qualify? Uh, no, because, I mean, it's a game where countries are represented. You know what I mean? If Yeah, if your country's if your not team, represented. You know, it's but it's, it's also, you know, if you're t- – you know, we watch the playoffs, even though the Lakers aren't in it. Yeah, but, but we also it, find basketball yeah, more exciting than yeah, soccer. Yeah, it's just uh, we grew up in a country where people didn't play soccer as much, so we're not yeah. as big of a fan, and, and that's just how it is. Our team's not as good. Uh, you know, I don't really have any interest in soccer at all other than watching the greats like Messi and Ronaldo just to see, see the, say that you've seen the greats. Just to say that I've seen them and watch, you know, watch them. And if you're going to watch soccer, you might as well watch the best. It, and uh, they're, they're the best. So, you know, I, it, if they're on, I'll watch it. But outside of that, I have, I have a small interest in soccer. It's a, yeah. it's a great game, but it's not. It's not for me. It, 
I don't think it's for Americans in general right now. I think eventually it'll get to be that point. But right Well, now, if they don't qualify for the World Cup, it's not going to help speed up that process. No, but I tell you what, when the World Cup comes to North America... In 2026. Uh, that's going to be big time. Um, and I think a lot of people will start watching leading up to that year. And then going up, I just know, you know, personally being from there, if when they play a world cup game in seattle it's there's gonna be, gonna be one yeah it's gonna be crazy i mean they're gonna sell sell that thing out like re, you know it's gonna be oh ridiculous. yeah the fans there love it we have we just uh we're a good soccer city well the the in 2026 it'll be the first year that they expand the world cup from 32 teams to 48 yep. and there's gonna be 80 games so it'll be 60 in the united states yeah. 10 in canada and 10 in mexico yep. That's a good way to do it. So it's gonna be fun. It'd be crazy to see a World Cup game here too. Yeah, it's it's gonna be a lot I'm of fun. Guessing. We were trying to figure out what stadiums everyone's gonna play at. I'm, you know, oh, I, you gotta be the Rose Bowl, the Coliseum, well, uh, Cowboy Stadium, Cowboy right? Stadium, it's, Soldier Field, CenturyLink, CenturyLink, Soldier Field on that list. The last time they played, the last time they had a World Cup in you in the United States, they used Soldier Field. Yeah, Damn, that's I think crazy. maybe I think maybe like the Big House. Yeah, the other thing um, we're talking about is like. Are they going to, you know, does East Coast have the infrastructure to, like, take on all these world travelers, even though they're, you know, because they're already so populated? Yeah. But at the same time, they're used to that shit. So they yeah. very well could be. But, no, I mean, I definitely think also a lot of college stadiums, like the Big House in Michigan, Ohio State. Yeah. Um, but, like, man, are people, like, can you fly people out to Ohio? I don't know. Can you fly yeah, people of course. out to wherever the fuck Michigan's at? Yeah. Like East Lansing or <laughs> is that Michigan State? That's Michigan State. Whatever. Ann Arbor is uh, Ann Arbor, Michigan. That's what it is. I was trying to remember. Um, but anyways, all right, moving on. Here we go. This is uh, this is a good one. Another good one. Oh for me. gosh. Uh, at the same magnitude as, as the other one. Great. Um, we grew up. We grew up knowing a certain class from San Antonio and New England. You know, and in yes. recent news, they've kind of seen like the empires that are about to fall. Rome has all fallen. Right, so. Out of the two empires that are San Antonio and New England, <laughs> with <laughs> which one's gonna fall first? And do you believe both will eventually like fall out of playoffs and out of you know being relative? You know, I definitely think that. I mean, listen, Greg Popovich already basically has an end date, supposedly. Yeah. It, he basically there. There's been reports that he doesn't want to coach past his team usa commitment which ends in 2020 yeah um that's two years away brady also says that he can play another five years yep. so i i don't know i mean when you just talk about the empires of san antonio and new england i just see bill belichick and greg popovich sitting on like yeah. these greek yeah, yeah. like stone yeah, chairs you never want to be the person that's like all right it's done before yeah it's done because they still they still very well could surprise everybody and do it to them again yeah um which i don't think it would be a surprise but uh i mean yeah i mean i tend to i tend to think um the spurs are going to be the first one um but uh you know with all the patriot stuff and tom brady you know I love Tom Brady. I mean, I Gronk was team, even but, talking about retirement yeah, this offseason. But it's like, you know, both of these it, both of these franchises are vulnerable for the first time in our definitely. lives. Definitely. So. This is definitely the most vulnerable we've seen. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously everything's got to come to an end, you know, eventually. And I think Belichick and Popovich are, the, are what will mark the end. For sure. Um, I, because I def- Duncan's already gone, and yeah. I don't think Belichick's going to stay past Brady, so. 
and I mean Parker and Ginobili are basically gone. Yeah, they're yeah, they're, they're shells of themselves, really. Of themselves. And I mean, who knows if Tony Parker is even on the Spurs next season? Because he might be looking for a new deal because he sees the end of an era in one place, and That'd he thinks ridiculous. he can still play. No way. No way. I mean, I hey. Just think- I just think because of those guys' relationship with Pop, it's just like, play for Pop or don't play. I definitely would go with that same sentiment. All right, what do you got? All right. My My last question is great. Do you want to just do it now? No. Okay. So my last question, yesterday it was announced that both DeAndre Ayton and Marvin Bagley III have signed with Puma Mm -hmm. to help revive their basketball presence after a 20-year hiatus. Uh, it was also announced that Jay-Z is now Puma's creative director. For basketball. For basketball. Yep. Uh, I feel like this is a pretty wild move by both Aiton and Bagley. Jay-Z makes a lot more sense to me in this scenario, but what, what do you think about this? Um, this is great, I think, for the time. This is like this is perfect. I'm such a huge fan of this. Uh, hold on, let me start this timer. Um <laughs> Jay-Z coming in is obviously the reason why they, uh, you know, they got, were able to attract these young players. For sure. And I think this is something that they've been premeditating for a long time. Bringing Walt Frazier back in. They got Rihanna as well. Yes. Bringing in Jay-Z. Um, because this, you know, this generation of kids, like, want to be different. They don't all want to be the same. And and whether there's still, there's still, like, something to being a Nike guy or Adidas guy, or even an Under Armour athlete, which I think, you know, you take a tear down every time you talk about these brands. Like, Nike's on another level than Adidas. Adidas is on For another sure. level than Under Armour. You know, Under Armour and Nike really aren't in the same no. conversation. Um, but what's what's happening is these guys are given – they have to play in these AE circuits, so they're, like, wearing their shit. They're getting, they're getting product all the time. And then when they're coming out, they're – the large majority of what Nike and Adidas and these guys are giving is like their contracts are mainly product. Yeah. It's not all cash. So like these, you know, $10 million contracts are like $6 million in product. Yeah. So it's like Puma is giving these kids all cash. It's all money. They're not giving them product. You know what I mean? Yeah. Afford product. It don't matter. Um, and they're going after the second tier guys. Like big guys are not very marketable in the shoe game. All, all great shoe lines are all, all, perimeter players yeah i mean that's who jordan lebron be. kobe yeah it, well and you can't name a big guy that's had a successful sneaker you know what i mean like yeah duncan KG, i guess shack shack has had sneakers but they're not successful. but shack was with and one well shack shack did it differently he wanted to provide a, a cheap shoe for yeah for people who couldn't afford you know nike yeah 100 percent like that um but I think it's great because kids want to do something different, and these kids are getting all cash rather than being taken advantage of. Because Nike's going to make money off their big tentpole players, you know, yeah. LeBron, Kobe, Durant. They could cut everybody else and still be ahead of everybody else with just those three athletes. Um, so I think it's really it's really good for the kids. It's really good for the NBA uh, getting more brands involved. You know, Clay Thompson's got his own brand. Lonzo Ball's got his own brand. Well, Clay Thompson's Tony, Chinese. Tony Parker. Well, I mean, his own like shoe deal. It's not oh like yeah. Yeah. You know, Tony Parker's been playing for their team uh, for Apex for a long time. Yep. Um, so it's really cool that Puma's back in the game. I think they're gonna. You know, they got two big guys, which is gonna be tough, but they're gonna go after these lower level stars um, and try. You know try and snag something good yeah so i mean it'll definitely be interesting to see i mean if i i know if i was a top recruit or top nba draft prospect knowing that i was going to get a shoe deal i would go with nike 
but hands it, down. But okay, so if someone says you get fifty million dollar contract from Puma and a fifteen, so you get fifty million dollars cash from Puma, or you get fifteen million dollars cash from Nike and thirty five million in product. I would still go with Nike because of that name br- okay, name and brand then, recognition. And the, and the, but you're not making money like once that you know what I mean. You make a set amount. It doesn't matter how well your shit sells. Right. And, and then and then you know it's like it's like a record label. They can only push so many artists at a time. Right. If you're signed with Nike, like look at the guys that are in front of you. You know who they're gonna put money into. I mean, shit. They they even after those big three with Durant, Kobe, and LeBron. They have Kyrie, who has the most popular shoe in the game. You know what I mean? They yeah. Have, they have Paul George, who has a signature shoe. They've got all these retros. You know, like Giannis Nike. is getting a signature he's shoe from get, Adidas. He's getting a signature shoe, and it's going to be, you know, it'll be interesting to see if it sells because I, you know, people don't play like him. You can't be Giannis. Yeah. When you wear a shoe, you want to be like that person. That's kind of like the the awe of it when you're a kid and getting into sneakers. It's like. You know, oh, I want to be Gilbert Arenas. I'm getting a shoe. You know, yeah. I mean? I'm wearing number zero. You know, like that's. that's you why wear, it's no, always, that's you why wear it's, number three, and you get the answers. It, that's why it's always it's always guards and for and, and like perimeter forwards that are having successful shoes. There's no big guy that's had a long successful line like. Yeah. You know, keep those Dwight Howards. You know, keep those <laughs> Tim Duncans. All that. Those it's, Tim Duncans were ugly. Well, it's just not. You know, they had a bigger, clunkier shoe because they needed more support. These are seven footers. I'm yeah. not a seven footer. I don't need all that. Like. Uh, since since it's gone to more of a lightweight shoe, LeBron's really the only one that has a bigger shoe, and now his shit's even light. Oh yeah, his is like basically the fly knit material now. Yeah. All right, but anyways, you can get me started on sneakers all day. Yeah, just tell you the history of the sneaker. Um, all right, last question. Yep. And I and I just don't think we've ever even had this conversation, and I think it's like the '96 Bulls or Warriors. This conversation is like so obvious. It's like, why have we never – I want to hear what you got. Who's the, who, who's the best Laker of all time? I think it's Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant, all right. Yeah. I didn't know if you were going to – you know, I figured you would say Kobe, but no, I mean, Magic's got five no, rings. No, Magic – laid out. What, the, what's the competition? Kareem's got five rings? No, see, here's, the, here's, the, here's what the conversation is. Don't get me wrong. Kareem is arguably one of the greatest players of all time. Yeah. He played for a different team. Yeah. The, yeah, the, converse, the, Kobe, the conversation the, for greatest Lakers of all time, it's either Kobe Bryant, Magic Johnson, or Jerry West. Jerry West is in the mix. Uh, but No Elgin Baylor. No, no Elgin Baylor. He never won a ring. Yeah, that's not good. Jerry West won one ring. He won one. He, ran, he hung a bat. You know what banner. sucks? You know what sucks, though, is Elgin Baylor retired halfway through that season when Jerry West finally beat the Celtics. So, so you got Kobe on one hand. You got... Magic on the other hand. Yes. Both played for the Lakers' entire career. Yes. Both won five rings. Yes. All right. Well, where's the where's the ro- where's the road that you turn on to go towards Kobe? Because I think Kobe is a superior basketball player. I think he was a better basketball player as yes. an individual. Yes. Like when it comes down to it, like you want Kobe over Magic. Yes. Hundred percent. And you don't think that's because you grew up in this time? No. Do you think if you grew up in the '80s, you'd say Magic? Probably. Because he changed, because he kind of changed everything. Yeah. And, and all right, I did. I I kind of figured you would say Kobe, but you know, I personally think it's Kobe as well. Yeah, I just think I just think yes, what Magic did for the league 
it changed the league forever. They have tremendous stories because they're they're all full of a great beginning, a great middle, a great end. Yeah, you know, they did the right. I thing. mean, Magic won a ring his rookie year. They went. They did, Magic started at center as a rookie. I mean, that's one of the all time greatest players. Yeah, because Col- ever. because Kareem tweaked his ankle. Yep. Yeah. He had to, he played all five positions in that game. He was yeah. the first player in NBA history to play all five positions in one game. Yeah, yeah I mean, you could you, when the conversation is Magic or Kobe, you know you're doing all right. Exactly. All right. And if LeBron ever comes to the Lakers, he wouldn't make the second Mount Rushmore of Lakers. The second. Well, what if he won three in a row? He wouldn't win three in a row. What if he did? Well, then we'll have that discussion when we get then there. He's making the second Mount Rushmore. He'll yeah. make the second. Maybe the first. Not the first. He played uh, for other teams. Yeah, no, I mean, I would, I wouldn't put him on anything to do with the Lakers. That's why I don't think he'll go to the Lakers. No, he needs to stay in Cleveland. So. But all right, you got any shout-outs before we get out of here? Man, you know, I was, I was digging too deep into all these all-time teams. <laughs> uh, you so got your shout-out. Uh, you got your shout-outs in your honor, honorable mention I part. Sh- I got my shout-outs in those honorable mention parts. I, I loved all <laughs> those teams. All right. Well, my shout-out this week is to Clayton Kershaw. He's going to do a rehab start on Saturday in Oklahoma City uh, and then return to the Dodgers next week. This couldn't come at a better time. The Dodgers are currently one and a half games out of first place. They're in the middle of a doubleheader against the Cubs right now. It is the middle of the fourth inning in Chicago, 0-0, zero to zero, the second game of that doubleheader. The Dodgers won the first game of that doubleheader this morning on a two-out ground ball down the left field line from Kyle Farmer but hopefully Clayton is healthy now and can lead the charge to take first place from the Diamondbacks and get the Dodgers to the postseason once again Clayton had to go to Tacoma for a while it's too bad yeah so uh, all right don't forget you can find us at TSK show on Facebook Twitter and Instagram if you want to find myself or Tyler on Twitter be sure to follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler's underscore world underscore All of our content can be found on SoundCloud or Apple Podcasts. Just type in keyword TSK show in the search bar. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us as well. We are also now on Anchor. Just go to anchor.fm slash TSK show or download the Anchor app for your iPhone or Android. That's it for this episode of the TSK show. We appreciate you all so much for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Peace. Later.